Welcome back, Fungo Banter fans. Eric Sorensen here with another episode of the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I am in Big Country Studios again, located in Ellensburg, Washington. Going to be joined here by Kelly Gow, head coach of St. Martins, and coach Jason Jarrett from Tri-Cities Prep, co-hosting this with me again today. Super excited to have those guys on here soon. We are super pumped to bring on uh, 2015 Washington State Coaches Hall of Fame inductee, a two-time state champion, most recently in 2019, Coach Mike Archer from Sela High School. A lot of you know him from Yakima Valley Pepsi Pack Legion program. He's been doing a great job for years, uh, keeping that program and Legion ball alive. And I was lucky enough to play for him for three summers and, and super excited. We've already interviewed him. And there's a lot of great content. I think you just need to go get yourself a bucket of popcorn, get a couple drinks, and just sit down and enjoy some good baseball talk here while we have this slowdown. Before we go on to Coach Archer and bring Kelly and Jason on, I just want to have a quick moment to talk about a, a close friend of mine that passed away this week. A lot of you people in the baseball world know him as Bill Barker. He was the head softball coach at Royal City High School for years, won plenty of state championships there. Also, his baseball side of things, coaching the Columbia Basin River Dogs. Unfortunately, we lost him this last week. It was a super big loss to the community and, and the world. of Just a great guy and a great person and Barker, rest in peace, and I'm praying and thinking with you and your family that they, in this time, are able to find some peace and knowing that you're you're doing good now, and you're, hopefully you're back on a softball field coaching right now, buddy. Well, let's bring on Coach Archer and talk some baseball. All right, Fungo Banter fans, we're back with another episode this week. Today's guest, we're so pumped to have him on. I was lucky enough to play for him for three summers. Uh, two-time Washington State champion, a 2015 Coaches Hall of Fame inductee, Coach Mike Archer. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So, hard-hitting, first-off question, what's your favorite fungo? Well, geez, I've listened to some of your other ones. I got to I gotta go with Benedetti, uh, SSK. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the lightest one I can swing. <laughs> Years ago, I got one. I, I was looking fungos up on the internet and found one that you know you could have engraved and all this. And I thought it'd be real cool to get one for all the coaches and everybody have one. But man, I should have paid attention to the shipping costs because when I got them, you could hardly swing them. <laughs> they look good though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pick a fungo up anymore very much. You know, if I pick a fungo up, usually uh, it's because something's not going right in practice. So. But, uh, no, it's got to be the SSK. Absolutely. So, you know, when you pick one up, the players are going, oh, crap. Yeah, I think they're, they're ready to maybe adjust our attitude practice a little bit. So That's <laughs> uh, funny how those things can work. Well, talk to us through your, uh, you know, your playing career and what got you into coaching and, and what led to where you're at today. Oh, wow, man. You know, I my last year of baseball shows you how old I am was when it's kind of ironic in 1980 at YVC. And, um, the mountain blue on March 18th really? and, uh, they canceled the rest of the season. So here we are talking when, uh, this has happened. So it's kind of ironic. So YVC and, and, uh, then I came out and, um, uh, the local Legion job with, uh, the Pepsi pack, which Sela, West Valley, Allensburg, Kittitas, Cleallum guys, Natchez that opened up. I was 21 years old and, uh, I applied for it and got that job, man. So this is year 37 with that same team going in. Wow. So, so I don't have to This is Kelly here. I, I uh, have to ask you about your, your traditions there in Sheila and with Pepsi Pack. I know you guys have had 
quite the successful run in uh, with both programs. But uh, what do you kind of contribute to some of that success that you've had? Uh, is it the trick plays? Is it uh, is it the practice planning? Is it the people? What's uh, what's been kind of the most important thing in, in building those programs up? Well, you know, I have nothing to do with it unless we lose. Other than that, it's the players. So that's that's kind of the typical way it goes. But uh, I'll tell you what, we're, um, I, I don't know if you'd say old school, but but we're real disciplined in the things we do. And um, if we're going, we don't do something if there's not a reason to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of our tra- tradition, I would say, you know, that that's passed on from player to player you you know kids that we have today don't know what happened in the year 2000 Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um well one one of the things we do we're we're real big on is is um we have going off ken revise's book which we've used since 1993 Mm -hmm. heads up baseball and um we make our kids set missions we don't call them goals we set them missions call them missions they have to have two missions a night one is a physical thing and the other is a mental thing. And then any coach can walk around to a player and, and ask, you know, what, what are your missions today? And they need to be real simple and measurable. So, you know, that way at the end of practice, you evaluate what you did as a, as a player and you can see growth and improvement. Um, one thing tradition wise that we've, we've done is about the first three weeks of practice, three days a week at the end of the practice, we make, um, we have our freshmen, um, gather up with our seniors and in, in small groups and the seniors can then pass on any information they want to them mm-hmm. and the, the freshmen can then ask any questions they want you know they may they may want to ask hey is, is is archer really a jerk or is this coach really <laughs> on everybody's case and, and it's an open dialogue that coaches aren't involved in and but it gives us a good way for our freshmen to establish a relationship with our older guys and to understand the expectations um, that the seniors have of the freshmen. You know, the expectations that players set among themselves are much mm-hmm. more important than any expectation I could throw out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing we ask of our players or our, our varsity guys when we get about two weeks into the season is we have them go have a meeting and uh talk about what they want out of the season and if all they want is to play baseball and have fun then come and tell us and you know we'll cut practice off by 45 minutes and get out of there if that's all they want if they want if they want to be the best they can be then in our thinking and our philosophy we have a certain way you have to go about that and Mm -hmm. uh so you know that's that's kind of the way we set our expectations and and try and build some some uh, tradition and you know all our younger guys not not all but for the most part we practice together as a group and um, you know that that makes a senior mm-hmm. you know is is holding a freshman accountable when you're out there working on certain things you know if you're a freshman in a drill with a varsity guy that guy they hold you accountable. And, uh, that, that we, it's frustrating as from a coach's standpoint, because, you know, as we say, they'll kill the drill at times, mm-hmm. but it, it also raises their intensity level and their expectations when they're, we've got a freshman catching a double play feed from a varsity third baseman. Now right. that's not all the times, but we, we do that quite often. 
You know, that's yeah, I think the couple of follow-ups that I have there is, is uh, I think all of us as coaches, especially at the college level, we're trying to really chase that player-driven leadership, right? That mm-hmm. if something is wrong, that, that a player is going to go in and say something before you have to turn around and say something. Um, exactly. So, so one thing that, that at least has changed since I've played, which, which hasn't been that, that long, but uh, is, there, is there afraid of, um, of not being liked? I see that happen a lot. You know, if they get someone's face to say something wrong, that they're afraid that that guy's not going to want to be friends with him anymore, you know? So right. having right. having a team that, that is able to communicate with each other uh, on such a high level and, and some of that stuff you encourage has to pay off in, in such huge dividends that, you know, you can focus on, am I calling a bunt or am I calling a hit run, while the next kid that just maybe jogged down the line on a, on a bad 90 is getting, you know, talked to by the senior that's uh, maybe not, not the way that we do things and helping them along the way. Right. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. You know, we always tell our guys the the most important player on the team is the guy next to you and that you don't have to be, we, we know that, you know, when you put a, a team out there and in college, it's different because you've got 30, 35 men rosters and, you know, and we're much smaller than that, but you, you don't have to like one another and we really don't care if you like any, each other, but you got to respect each other and you got to respect right. each other's goals and, and what you want to get out of this season. And so, you know, when you step out on the field, man, it, it, it's one team, one heartbeat. Then we step off, you don't have to like each other, I guess, but, <laughs> but, you know, you develop those, you develop that team relationship. I mean, you, you have all kinds of different players where some are highly intense, others are passive, um, and, and so, you know, it, it's a work, it doesn't happen, you know, in a week or two weeks and, you know, uh, on our level of the high school guys, you got to try and expedite that because we don't have the fall in those times to, to build that, but we are real big on teaching our guys how to hold each other accountable in terms of, you know, we don't allow the word out there, come on, you know, say, say something constructively criticism constructive criticism you know hey play you can play better catch than that but we don't allow come-ons or, or things like that because then it's just you know whining and moaning among players mm-hmm. i love it i you know coach one thing i've always noticed about your program is you know when we go play your guys's jv team with our varsity but yet when when our our uh you know our c our, our jv plays your c squad that you can look at all three of your teams they're all doing the same things. It's just the skill level of each player. And I thought that's so cool to see a program, you know, from, from your, your worst guy to your best guy, there are similarities with how you guys do things. And I think that's just awesome. Well, thanks, man. I I think that's partly because of the things we do together, Mm -hmm. but you know, so many of those things we, we practice. I mean, you know, I, I don't expect a kid to do something if we haven't practiced it. So, we actually practice running on and off the field, um, taking a guy as glove, giving a hug to the guy and either giving him a positive or a pick him up comment. And then the other guys run off mm-hmm. and, and we practice that, you know, and, and that leads kind of off topic here, but their baseball is pretty, pretty boring sport if you don't play it the right way. Mm-hmm. And we, we believe in tempo and we talk to our kids a lot about that, that, you know, if we can get nine guys off the field before they have one, then we can start pushing umpires to pick up the tempo. Um, yeah. Cause if you notice the guys, the guys that you usually play the worst against 
are the guys that bog the game down mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't keep flowing. So yeah, we, I, I, I hope we do a lot of things the same. That's kind of the goal of the, of the whole deal, but it, you know, it's, it's the expectations again among players and, and practicing the things that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So Coach, this is Jason here. How long do you think it took before you uh, felt like your program was a well-oiled machine kind of taking, you know, guys knew what to expect. You know, you're talking about players coming in your program and taking ownership and uh, leading things. But how long did you feel like it took before you you had your incoming freshman knowing to what to expect from your program? Of course, your seniors are taking that leadership role uh, for you guys there at SELA. Well, I, I tell you, coach, that's, you know, like any coach, I'd still say I'm still waiting for it to happen, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you, you come in, yeah. I, I think like most coaches and, and it's, it's a new season. It's new guys. Yeah. I, I, I don't dwell on what was and what happened. You know, you had a, a great, I mean, we had two weeks together and I, this year, a little two weeks in a day. I don't even think we mentioned last year. And, and so every, every year it's, it's like starting over and, and all our coaches talk about that, you know, it's, it's, it's starting over. And, and, um, so maybe some things are in place and, and I know they are, but mm-hmm. we never, we never take that for granted. We kind of always start at, at square one with the exception of, we always evaluate what kind of returners we have and how we're going to, um, set our practice plans based on our experience and knowledge. Mm-hmm. But man, I never, I, I never feel comfortable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the next question we got for you, coach is, you know, like when I was, when I was starting off to be the head coach at Kittitas and trying to find my way as a young coach and try to figure things out. And I guess, what is some advice that you would have for a young coach that's working towards building the program? I mean, how, how many years, I forgot what you said, but how many years you've been there to, to create a program of longevity and I know I'm always trying to improve every day, especially my field, trying to look like uh, Archer Park there. And I'm well far behind that, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, this is kind of a, I don't know if you call it a pet peeve of mine, but I've talked to a lot of coaches and, and they'll, they'll look and they'll, or they'll talk to me and they'll say, geez, man, you know, you've been at SELA for, you know, as a head coach since 96, you've been with Pepsi Pack since, since 84. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want, I want to coach at a place like that, or I want, that's what I want. And, but what they forget or what they don't know is I was at PL high school over on by Centralia for a year from 1984 to 85, where we started baseball up again. And I was the only coach and, um, no dug, no nothing, no batting cages, no anything, but I probably learned more there doing it myself. You know, how do I organize a practice with just me? Um, and then I went to Totnish high school for four years, you know, with, with 30 guys out there playing in a league with, you know, West Valley, Eastmont, actually Sela at that time, Hanford, you know, with, um, a bunch of guys that really didn't know a lot about baseball, but the things that I learned to do, um, and how to organize practices from everything from organizing to practice to, you know, when you're getting your fanny kicked, you know, how to, how to keep practicing hard, um, to promoting the program. And, um, we went from not winning a game the first year, unless it was a non-league game against a smaller school, um, 
to making playoffs in the fourth year. And, you know, we did everything. One, one cool thing I thought we did down there because, it, you know, basketball was kind of the, the sport down there. What we did is, is every morning before our, our home double headers, we provided breakfast and we had the kids bring, you know, you bring oranges, you bring this. And we brought in a guest, uh, guest cooker. And we brought in the superintendent, the chief of police, you know, those kind of guys. We met at a local restaurant. Kids had come in, come in and eat pretty early. And then we fed anybody in the community for, for at that time, 1985, uh, a buck. And people started coming in. And, you know, we, I'd talk to them about the day, the game, what's going to happen, you know, how you look, and building those kinds of things. And so many young coaches now want, you know, big things before they put their time in, you know, I think you need to relish if you're at a place where, Hey man, you know, I got to work at this. This isn't a baseball school or I don't have enough guys out or whatever it may be, but to relish those things, because you're going to find you have to take care, you know, you take care of your field, you promote your sport, you promote your kids. You may have to get them to commit to three weeks of summer baseball and then basketball. I, I learned so much at, PL and uh, Topnish in terms of being a well-rounded coach. I had to learn to be a pitching guy, an infield guy, a catching guy, you know, and, and how to do all that. And, and I think that's – young guys need to put their time in. I, I think they, they have some holes in their – you know, I don't know what the right word is, your attitude or how you go about things, man. If you, if you really hadn't had to suffer a little bit and, and start from the, the bottom and work your way up. You know, the one, one thing that's coming to my mind and someone told me once is you have to make the big time where you're at. And I think exactly great book. Yes. And the first, the first couple of years as a head coach, I was looking over the fence at Ellensburg, Sealand, everybody thinking, but then I finally got to the grindstone. I got to be where my feet are at and I got to get better here because I, you just got to focus on where you're at and that's how you get to what you, where you're at, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I just think that's so important. I mean, people look at the, the Pepsi pack now. I mean, for a summer team, I mean, we're a pretty good summer team. We play all those select dudes and all that kind of stuff. And, and our guys are going to play harder and our guys are going to have better knowledge. And, you know, it, there's a purpose and there's expectations. But, um, you know, when I started that, I remember in, in 1984 showing up at the field and we had a hundred game schedule because back then the, the season went June, July, and all of August. And we had a hundred game schedule. You don't play tournaments. So you're basically, there aren't, there weren't any tournaments. You're playing double header, double header. And we had 12 guys. <laughs> so first thing we said, okay, all 12 of you are pitchers, you know, <laughs> but it, it didn't, it didn't start out with, you know, 35 guys turning out for 18 spots started out with 12 guys for 18 spots you know and so it was it was building that toughness and and granted back then you coach toughness in 84 and 85 a little bit different than you can coach it now but um you, you know that's yeah i i just think you you put in the time and you make it the best you can be where you're at coach i guess my follow-up to that would be uh you talked about toughness there at the end and and showing that line of, of someone that's been in it for a while. And I think we've talked about as a group in the past about, you know, worrying about, well, that's, that's the way kids are. Why, why can't they just change? How, how do you feel you've adapted kind of your coaching style and, and things that you've done 
not necessarily to appease the outsiders, but maybe to manage the outsiders. Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, you know, relationships are so important and Mm -hmm. we don't have a bunch of rules, for example, for parents or outsiders, you know, we try and motivate them to feel part of something special and we try and build relationships with players and parents and kids. And the, the stronger you build that relationship, the harder you can push a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as he trusts you and, um, you know, believes in what you're doing and buys into the total program, you can push them. Now, you can't push them like you used to. I mean, I'll give you an example. I I forgot how long ago this was. This had to be about 93. We used to take, we'd go through our infield practice, or this is pregame. We'd go through our pregame, and our outfielders would throw. Now we'd come in, and, and we'd be ready for our, our infielders to take their first throw home. All our all our infielders, when they came in for, to, for their first round of ground balls, they take their glove off and go set it on the base. And you, you know, you, you guys hit fungos, you know, you can, so what we do is we'd hit them a nice one hop backspin ground ball and they drop down to two knees and take it off the chest and pick it up and throw it home. <laughs> and and I, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many teams we beat just because of the way we took infield there, but, <laughs> but that was a sign of toughness. And we still do some of that today. We'll take a little rookie machine um, and we'll set it up off to the side and, and we'll have guys over there and, and they drop down and they start taking balls. We, we work up with our hands out and then we tell them, take your glove off, take you, take a ball off your chest. And we show them how to take balls off the chest. We have a certain technique that we do. Um, and, and they go through that. We also had a thing, have a thing that we call bucket ball, which, um, accidentally happened. It happened by accident. We had, we had a kid that was drafted. He's a pitcher. I won't throw his name out there, but he's a second baseman at about six two one ninety, and he threw the ball about ninety. So, um, but he was soft. So, because he was soft, we we cut, we said, "Hey, you're going to take a bucket of ground balls." And uh, so we put a bucket at home, stuck him at second base, and we hit him ground ball, hit him a ground ball. Now, I don't know how many balls are in a bucket, but I can tell you what I learned real quick that there's a hell of a lot of balls that go in a bucket. <laughs> Cause I was, I was hitting the fungus and he had to field the ball. He had to field the ball, pick it up and go put it in the bucket. Oh. And by the end, you're dead ass tired. Mm-hmm. Well, what that became for us was a kid would say, I want to do it coach. I wanted, it. it became an initiation process. I probably shouldn't use that word. That's not good these days, <laughs> but it came a, in order for you to play in our infield you had to go through a round of bucket ball. And the, the whole kind of accumulating thing of that is after you got all your balls and put them in the bucket, you got to run the, the balls into home plate and stick the balls there and say, hey, I'm an infielder. And, mm-hmm. and, and so that has been something that we've done now to initiate. Your, if you're not, you're an outfielder. Get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ironic thing about that, I'll tell you a funny part of that story, though. The kid that did it, we had a game the next day. And, um, so I show up at the field about eight o'clock and, and there's his dad sitting in the parking lot. And I thought, Oh shit, man, I'm in trouble now. You know, <laughs> worked him a little too hard. Dad's a good dude. And uh, he got out of the car and said, Hey, Arch, we got a problem here. And I said, what's that? What's that? And he goes, I'm like, again, I'm not going to say his name, but my boy's in the hospital. And I'm like, Oh my God, here goes my job. <laughs> and, uh, ended up, he went home, he went home. 
and his appendix had been burst. Oh, and he had, wow. yeah. So, but it wasn't caused because of bucket ball. Oh, but, yeah. Wow. But it, you know, kind of underestimated maybe his toughness a little bit. I guess. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we had a we had a catcher last year who uh, he was only a catcher because our our starter broke a bone on his hand off the machine, um, and this was the weekend before uh, our conference tournament and this backup catcher was back there and went through a game and after the game he goes, Coach, I, I don't feel too good. You know, I, I'm going to go check, check in with my parents, yada, yada, yada. Same thing. Ends up having burst appendix and caught a game with a burst <laughs> appendix. They thought it might have happened a few days a few days sooner and poor kid had to sit and watch uh Watch us play from a from a hospital bed when he was uh, in there for a little bit, but uh, again, small school kid, high school quarterback, uh, uh-huh. one of those things, you know, the, the same type of kid that that you're probably talking about there. But uh, anyway, let's keep this storybook open. I I, I think we all want to hear some more of what you got. It's been phenomenal so far. So uh, would love to hear your best story on uh, with an umpire. Your best story of, of Mr. Eric Sorensen, <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, maybe your best story of a, of a maybe a perseverance of a, a kid you had in your program. Oh wow, man! Yeah, yeah. I, I remember we were playing over in Centralia one time for an umpire story, and they had a they had a light pole down the right field line that was right on the edge of their bullpen. So. If you can picture this, their bullpen comes out and they've got a big light pole there. So we're at our pregame meeting, and uh, the umpire said, "Now you can't throw the ball over dead ball territory, which mm-hmm. would be on the left side of the light pole." And it's like, "All right, yeah, you got that." So we're we're in a close game, and uh, I don't know. We're playing Centralia, so back then, man, it was it was hot and heavy and packed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they prepaid the umpires anyway, but uh, so. Our, our right field, we throw make a bad throw to first base, and our right fielder's over there to back it up. Well, the tying or winning run, whatever it was, was coming around, probably a tying run because I didn't last much longer after that. But <laughs> the, our, right fielder, our right fielder picked the ball up and throws it to home and hits the pole. And umpire says, time, dead ball. You can't throw over dead ball territory. And I – Went out, and this guy was kind of a hothead, so I went out, and I said, well, why is the ball dead? He said, you can't throw over dead ball territory. And I said, he didn't throw over dead ball territory. He hit the pole. <laughs> hit the pole, and the ball came back to him. He said, well, he said, well, that side of the pole's dead. I said, for crying out loud, man, it's a round pole. How, how can a certain side be dead if there's no line painted on it? So needless to say, we didn't get along too well after that, and he kind of had a mask. This was back in those days. He had the mask shoved up against me. So that was a good umpire a story. And, and I, I had the, I couldn't, he told me I couldn't play anymore. Oh. I, I won't tell Ford Gioni or Greensaddle about, about paying off un- umpires for you. I'll keep that to you and me. <laughs> Man, I got an archer so, story. Yeah. I got, um, so what we're down in, we're playing in Longview, and it, that year we went twice because we we end up. I'm just gonna throw this out. We beat the Beatles in districts to go back to state down Longview, but we were down in Longview playing a tournament, and I got back picked at first base. And I think that was like the second time in that week or something. 
and Arch, you're, you're giving us a nice, easy talk after the game, and it's quiet, and he goes, hey, country, you here? Goes, yeah. Is your mom here? I said, yeah. He goes, well, you tell her to keep coming, because if you get backpicked one more time, you're not riding this bus home. <laughs> <laughs> I never got backpicked again with the Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I, got a, I got a quick question for you. I know uh-huh. in 37 years you've probably seen it all, but I got to ask you, what is the one, the strangest thing you've seen in all your years of coaching for either the Pepsi pack or for your high school team there at SELA? Uh, what is the strange thing you've seen in all your years of coaching there? Well, God, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you what. I, You know what? You never remember the good things. You, you may remember a funny thing, yeah. but I, I, I've got two memories, I guess, negative memories that, you know, I, I've seen. I've got a lot of stories, but I'll tell you one. We – we were playing in the state championship game against um, Bishop Blanchett. And uh, great game. God, I can't remember. This had to be in like 98, 99, somewhere in there. And we were in the 11th or 12th inning. We lost in 13 innings. And um, uh, we, had, we had a guy on first and second and um, our two hitter up, who was kind of an inside-out swinger, line drive, you know. And so – we, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm sitting there and I look over at the dugout. One coach is telling me to bunt, another coach is telling me to hit away, and that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of looking. Okay, it's our two guy. I don't know if I want to bunt and give up an out here because then they'll walk our three guy, and our four guy hadn't been swinging well that day. So anyway, like I said, yeah, it's top of the inning. Uh, I let him swing away. He hits just a rocket in, in the in the four hole. Second baseman kind of takes two steps, fields a one-hop line drive, turns to second base, one out, throw to first base, double play. I keep the guy, Eric Hall, who was a heck of a player, played in the big leagues for us, going from second to home. They throw us out at home, triple play. Oh. <laughs> so that, that, oh, that's man. one. Like I said, man, I, I usually remember the, the, the bad things that happened. I don't remember a lot about games where we won or – you know, coaches will be talking sometime. Go, hey man, you remember when this happened? I'm like, God, no, I don't. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know that that's so true because uh, uh, about three years ago we had gone up and played Lyle, and uh, it was a, it was a <laughs> Saturday doubleheader, and and uh, you know you always getting on your players about having the deer, and uh, I get up there, I could have swore I packed my gray pants, uh, you know, and of course you're coming in on the street clothes and. I get up there and I start to pull my stuff out of my bag. I have no pants at all. <laughs> and all I got is my windbreakers on. And I looked at my pitching coach and I said, I forgot my pants, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, exactly right. You, uh, it's easier to remember the, the most <laughs> negatives than the positive. That's for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't uh... – you know, I, you can't dwell much on that winning stuff or playing well. You know, it's always, you know, yep. about the next game. You know, you, mm-hmm. you come home and maybe have a beer or something, and then it's it's on to how you can fix a problem that you had at, at, at first base or your double play guy, or, you know, isn't good enough on the pivot right now. And, and then you, you just – you're constantly – you're constantly – you guys know, you're constantly thinking about those things, man. If, mm-hmm. if I can only get this kid a little bit better – 
we had a kid last year, our, our second baseman turned out to be, you know, we're, we're, I think the most important play in high school baseball and I is a double play. You, you, if you can turn a double play in high school baseball, you know, it changes the way you approach the sixth and seventh right. inning in terms of up one, down one. And, and you, we, we're just big. We, our second baseman has to be one, four to one, six on the pivot and one, six is good. And we have a kid that comes in here that last year that, that he's a good solid average player, but you know, he's about a one, seven, one, eight on, on the double play. And by golly, you know, you talk, we have some stuff we call early work and man, you know, you, you, you're not going to make the arm stronger, you know, in, in, two days but you can make the feet better and, and you know we always tell our kids your hands follow your feet so you got to find a way we got to find a way to speed up your feet and um, he uh by the end of the summer he was about about a one four to one five on the pivot and he'd started at one eight and you know just one of those guys that's just an extreme work ethic guy that you know like i said we, the arm's going to get a little stronger but you know it's all about your feet. And I, I think that's, I don't know how I got off topic here, but you know, I, to me, that's what we do. We do so much of our coaching around footwork in the, in the outfield, mm-hmm. you know, um, Eric knows at first base, you know, somebody, so many guys think all you have to do to play first base is catch the ball with your foot on the mm-hmm. base. But you know, Eric knows more than that. And, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, we work real hard on, on the feet in the infield and, you know, moving. And that's probably one of the words you hear all, all the time out of our practice is two things. A, that's not good enough. And B, move your feet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, well, coach, we, we're getting that's to not- a part of our, our podcast where we still haven't come up with a name for it yet. And I think there's going to be a great name out there yet, but we're going to call it just banter topics. And, you know, it's, it's basically what we're doing. And, you know, you're sitting there with coaches at the, uh, you know, sitting there having a beer or whatever and just bantering back and forth about baseball. So, Kelly, Jason, do you have a banter subject for Coach? Sure. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll hit it. Let's, uh, let's dive into that, that footwork piece. Um, I'm an infield guy, but infield, what's our infielder still as a head coach? The one thing that I've preserved is, is that of how much I enjoy it. But maybe talk about maybe each position, what, uh, what are some specific things you do from a footwork standpoint. Maybe you do it with all your infielders. Uh, is, it, is it a prep step, uh, you know, pre-pitch routine? Is it, uh, you know, is it your first step, directional? Whatever those things are, what are kind of some drills or maybe absolutes that you work to kind of help better that, that footwork process? Well, I'll tell you what, like I said, when we, when we warm up, when we start catch, you know, we tell our guys, you know, the way we play catch is a way for a coach to take mental attendance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're missing, if a ball bounces in front of a guy, it should be blocked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. So that's where it all starts. And one thing we do it, every day with, when we play catch and we start out short, when we start out at about 15 feet, and so you've got seniors to freshmen is step to the ball. If you're a right-handed thrower, you step to the ball with your right foot. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, how many times do you see, you know, we got on our guys, you know, guy field the ball and throw it across the infield and the guy's safe by a step and he's pissed because the umpire made a bad call. Well, for crying out loud, if you would have worked your feet correctly, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have had the extra hop or extra step in your motion to throw. And we would have thrown the damn guy out by a step. And so that's, that to me, that's how we start is we step to the ball with your right foot. So you step to the ball with your right foot, you catch, now you throw as compared to catching the ball, shuffling and throwing, you know, which 
it takes about three feet or two tenths of a second, whatever it may be. And then when we run our infield drills, our square drills, our rectangle drills, all of that is put into play. Our relay drills, which is a, um, when we design our practices, we have about 20, 25 minutes of infield fundies. And then those fundies then become the responsibility of the player in pre-practice work and early work. So it gives us then 20 more practice minutes. But I, I think the key is to step to the ball with your right foot if you're a right-handed thrower. And all of a sudden, after about three weeks, especially our, our younger guys, uh, let me preface, younger guys who have some athletic ability, because we get those that don't, just like everybody, but all of a sudden it clicks. And you start seeing a shortstop approaching the, the, the bag at second base on a double play feed, and he knows to step to the ball with his right foot. And all of a sudden things start to happen quicker. You know, you've, you've got to make it habit because, you know, all these guys, private coaches haven't taught them that yet, but that's another, that's another topic. But, um, but that, that uh, just with all our, we have, we have basically 20 infield drills, fundamental drills that we tell the kids after a week and a half to two weeks, those 20 infield drills ought to be done in less than uh, 20 minutes, less mm-hmm. than a minute of drill. If you can play catch, and if you do it right, yeah, I mean, if you go, go, go. Now, our younger guys struggle with that. and You, you, you may not be able to give them as many th- drills to do. But I think that's a key. You know, it's step to the ball with your right foot. You know, we try to never feel the ball um, on the right side of our belly button. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always try and make sure we're getting around it. We're real big on angles and, uh, and reading hops and kids understanding that a, a ball loses half its hop every time so you know mm-hmm. you get something that bangs 12 feet high in front of the plate and you're a left side guy you better go get that ball it's going to lose mm-hmm. half its hop it's not going to be hit hard and, and so those are just things that we incorporate and again we're we're fortunate to have seven coaches out there mm-hmm. and so there's eyes on you all the time and mm-hmm. you know hey man we told you either a you don't care what i say or b you can't do it which one is it you know, I mean, you're not doing it right, and we've been practicing. So is this a choice, or you can't do it? And, and that's I, see, I start to get excited now and sweating it because I feel like I... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but that's the point of the video. <laughs> uh, I, I guess on my follow up would be, uh, I mean, you talked about pivots a little bit, and, and I think I think the one thing that I've found the most important is not having constraints on a on a player, and I think. I would I would envision that your your 20 minutes of, of drill work allows an opportunity to work on most about every single play that those guys would have a chance to get in a game, whether that's a ground ball, whether it's double play speed, whether it's receiving a speed, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk about that importance of having a bunch of different tools in the toolbox to each play just being a little bit different. Uh, you're kind of cutting out there. I'm sorry. So I was talking about uh, the, the different types of plays that guys hit, you know, and, and, and having a chance to work on all those different types of plays and about each one not being the, the same, you know. And I would imagine your build-up and, and infield play uh, practice would be giving them an opportunity to work on each individual type yep. of play that they could see in a game. Yep, exactly. We're So our practice is set up. We've got early work. Um, run, stretch, throw. Early work is real light throwing. Some of it's just mental, you know, to where we may be having communication problems with infielders and, 
and uh, pitchers on pick play. So they'll, they'll go out and work on that. So then after that, we run stretch throw. We go into our 15, 20 minutes uh, of our fundies. And, and then we break. Then we go into specific situations. So like I said, we work the heck out of double plays. So we'll get three coaches with buckets of balls, and um, we roll balls to the infield. Now, when I say roll balls, it's it's like one they're they're right after another. So you know that that may be for three minutes, three minutes. So we'll have a guy at short and third. We're rolling them balls, making sure that they're working on balls to their left, balls at them. Mm-hmm. balls when they're up on the grass balls when they're deep and backhands and we'll just do that man it, it's like rapid fire and uh, then when we get with our get over to the second base side we go to the shortstop get over to the second base side you're working balls to your left with a you know a back step through and then a good three-quarter arm throw um you're you're working on your flips balls in that area and then you're working on uh just your straight you know ball at you drop the knee and throw and it, it's You'd have to see it because it's just, like I said, because we have so many coaches, we're fortunate enough to be able to do that. But, mm-hmm. it's, it, man, it's, it's rapid fire. We don't go out and spend 20 minutes on that. You know, we spend max five minutes. And then after we do all that and go through all those things, then we back it off to fungos, live fungos, and uh, kind of rapid fire fungos. And, and our guys throw a ton. Our guys throw a ton. That's part of the toughness mode that we try and teach. You know, Coach, I'm mm-hmm. sore. Yeah, man, I'm sore every day I get out of bed and then I go shower, okay? <laughs> so you got to toughen up and fight your way through that a little bit. And uh, But we, we do throw a lot, but we, we, we then back off from the kind of the, the fundamental part of rolling some balls to the fungos. And then this is something that we do when we go, we get into our, our, our situations and we are big-time situation guys. All of our, we turn a ton. All of our double plays we turn every day are with runners. And the runners mm-hmm. we use are our freshmen and sophomores or, mm-hmm. or maybe our outfielders. Because I want a second baseman and a shortstop getting used to catching the ball on the pivot with a guy close to him coming mm-hmm. in. And so we do that every day because we believe the double play is so important. So mm-hmm. we try and simulate, and I heard Benny the other day talking about it, you know, yeah, you, there's a lot of situations, but ours are real intense. And, and we tell our guys, your coaches are your opponent right now. You've got to be able to handle our expectations, handle what we say to you, the con- constructive criticism. And you've got, you're going to get tired out. I mean, if you miss a ball in situations, the next one's coming at you. And then the next one's coming at you. And you better be diving all over, and you better get up and get ready for another. But we just kind of progress through that. You know, um, like I said, the rolling of the ground balls, which is pretty high intensity. You know, and if I was one coach doing it, if I was at Tottenham and I'd take myself out there and I'd take care of the third baseman, then I'd move over and take care of the Mm -hmm. shortstop. And and, and that's how you adapt those things. Um, But uh, it's uh, that's just kind of the way we go through it with our with our situational stuff. And and uh, but that's our situational stuff is how we teach base running. We're not, we don't spend a lot of time after practice conditioning because, you know, I, I'm, uh, I've, I've talked to a couple clinics with Chef years ago and, and got to know him pretty well and, and talked to him and see how he does, did certain things. And it's like, you know what, why waste time? Well, you know, you got to do some conditioning, but we try and do our conditioning during practice. Um, that's how we teach our young kids mm-hmm. to base run. 
mm-hmm. is, you know, they, they base run during our situations and they're our coach and we hold them accountable, you know, but I think we've seen some real positive things with that. Um, and we do our basic, you know, by base, quick base running, you know, fundamental stuff, but you teach players when they're running bases on their own, you're teaching them to make moving decisions. And we work real hard on our base runners understanding count score and inning uh, or score inning out. And do we need a run right now? Is there one out or two outs? You know, and then reading outfielders on what direction they're going. Are they going away from the play? Are they coming into the play? And, you know, you, you want them to make moving decisions. And some of them, if, you know, with the instincts get so good with that, that they're making decisions before a coach could make any decision, mm-hmm. you know, and then always make the defense stop you. And that's something that that's the way we teach base running to our younger kids, which then in turn helps our older guys in situations. Love it. You know, coach, my, uh, the subject I've been kind of thinking of to talk to you about and ask you was, like you said, you you talked about heads up baseball and your mental side of things, and I got to thinking today mm-hmm. as I'm as I was driving a tractor or something, and I'm like, you know what? All the stuff they're talking about in that book, Arch told us that when I played for mm-hmm. the pack, like, you know, the mental toughness, and I, and elaborate on this, but I know that I always loved the fact, and I still preach to my teams about this. Like, you know, we used to go down to Reno, there'd be teams rolling in, and I won't name any names, but they're rolling in, and they're like all D one going, but yet. We go mm-hmm. out and we out tough them and out mental tough them and out execute and we're beating those teams. Just talk about that. Well, first of all, I mean this is a big topic too because a lot of those teams aren't coached. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're brought in. the The worst job I ever did coaching, ever, was in 1990 when we had a summer team that was the best by far we've ever had. And it's like, oh, God, man, this is fun. And I wasn't, I don't think, tuned in enough to details. And we were good. We played well. We played hard. We did all that. We were 59-9 and nine going into the district tournament in, in August. And we'd won our 26. Guys, I don't know, Mike Rios from Moses Lake and uh, uh, Trey Raddick, Reggie Holt, some, some really good players. We had three guys drafted off that team. And I'll, I'll tell you what, probably – one of the worst jobs because you didn't pay attention to to the toughness and, and that kind of thing and that's what i think with a lot of these teams that go out and you know hey recruit their guys and and all that they just get used to writing a lineup man mm-hmm. because they're beating everybody and it, you know i i think that you know you i we I, we always said hey you know we'll play those I, i'll give you a quick example from last year we went over to the um what is it? Uh, the tournament there is it? Uh, is it not Vern Bean? Um, the one in middle of July with Rob Reese there at Bellevue and uh, Seattle U. Brandy Pugh. Brandy Pugh. We go over there. So we're heading over there with a 15-man roster and just played four league games the two days before. We had to win. And I, I just told our guys. I said, Hey, look, guys, you know you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> you know, this is about you guys, not me. But unless we do something, but you know, we're going to have to have some guys pitch that haven't thrown very much. Um, and you're going to have to go out and we're going to have to play the game. We're going to have to drag. We're going to have to push. We're going to have to slash bunt, which another thing is, I think is the most, one of the most unbelievable weapons there is. Um, 
physically and mentally. I think you can play so many head games with that part of it. But so we go out and, and we're playing those select teams. We ended up finishing third and supposedly, I don't know, beat the Seattle Stars or something like that. But it, it was like you had to, you're either going to get your fanny kicked or you better find a way to toughen up throw the ball over the plate, throw strikes, see if we can score some runs, manufacture some runs, play the game the right way, put pressure on the defense. And we did things to those guys that I don't think they've ever practiced. And, and their coaches are yelling at them, and it's like, I'm just kind of laughing. It's like, damn, we, we know in this situation if we can steal third or, or not steal third and we show a slash bunt and your third baseman does this, and so now it opens up the run game. And, and I just think – that so many of those guys that were on those great select teams or are, are so talent-laden that they don't pay attention to the small parts of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, what's the worst practice thing in baseball? Bunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, do you, when do you bunt? In the seventh in a tie game? Probably. So it's, it becomes one of the most important things in a game, but it's one of the worst things that, that is practiced. You know, it's like a bunt coverage. You roll them out, okay, you do this, roll some ball. I know, but do you practice a bunt coverage with intensity? You know, can, can you do it 100% mental? And, and so I think that's how you, you rise up and you, you beat those guys is, is you out-tough them, you out-think them, and, and through the culture of your program and using examples that happen throughout the season, you point, that, point those out to your players. You know, hey, man, you know, because of what you did and what we did right there on that play, you know, the way you ran the bases – with, with some discipline when you didn't have to we rallied for two runs in the seventh you very easy could have been loafed but um you know and it's like i'll tell you one more thing that that we do the greatest play in baseball we tell our guys it is not a ball that your shortstop or your third baseman lays out for fields a one hop gets up throws the guy out at first you know those kinds of plays take talent okay and what we tell our guys is we have no talent Okay, let's just start with that as a baseline. We have no talent, guys. So now what are we going to do? The greatest play that you can make in baseball that should have everybody standing up instead of the line drive layout play is a ball that your your 150-pound third baseman who's scared to death, a rocket's hit right at him, and he takes it off his chest and throws the ball over to first base and throws the guy out. That, to me, is the greatest play. That's a play that every kid has the ability to make. Whether or not he has the toughness to do it, you know, you try and coach that in. But those, that's kind of, and we practice that. You know, we practice taking balls off the chest, like I told you earlier. And it becomes a pride thing, and it becomes a toughness thing. And it becomes an expectations among players. You know, you walk off the field. I don't know who said it, maybe Kelly said it earlier. You come off the field, one of your players, you know, one of your teammates steps up to you and say, you know, you didn't puss out on that ball. You know, we wouldn't have given up two more runs. And, and it all just resonates and builds among the culture and, and of the team and the expectations that they have amongst each other. Coach, talk about maybe some, some of those mental tools that, uh, that you impress upon your guys. And we talked about the other day with, with Coach UW, guys really falling into routine. You guys talk much about routine. Uh, maybe if the guys are out of routine, how to get back into it. What are maybe some of those things that you talked about, or is it the system is the routine in itself? Well, you, you know, it's like Eric said with the, the heads-up baseball, and that's kind of what we go off of. 
you know, we talk about, you know, red light, yellow light, green light, mm-hmm. green light, man, things are going good. You're feeling, you're feeling great. Your girlfriend likes you, you know, all, all, all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the key, the key is for players to be able to recognize when they're in a yellow light mm-hmm. and, and, you know, how do I make that adjustment? And we talked to him about having a focal point or a way to get rid of, you know, and, and you're not, we're not talking about, you know, college age kids because maturity is a big part of it. And we talked to him about that, about having missions, having missions and being able to do the red light, yellow light, green light is a pretty mature thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. a 15 year old kid may not may get that or a 17 or 18 year old kid, but once they begin to begin to realize that, that, Hey man, I just, I just had a bad throw right here. You know, guys safe at first, next ball comes, you know, I bobble it. Now they're first and second. It's like, Hey man, I need to, I need to find a way. And, and we tell them you can have a focal point, you know, you may pick up a, you know, a handful of dirt and, and throw it and chuck it down and, you know, say something under your breath, whatever it is, but you gotta be able to relax and play in the present moment. And, and we work through that with one rep you know, one rep and the tireder I get, the stronger my mental side has to become. Mm-hmm. And, and so hopefully we can fall back on the mental side. And I, we don't go overly deep because our, I don't think high school kids can totally handle that unless you've got, like I said, there are some that can, some mature kids. Um, but that's kind of how, how we go about that is recognize when things are going well and and when they aren't. Awesome. Good. Well, guys, you got anything else for Coach? Will we have him on the line? I'm good. We could go on forever. Coach? Yeah, we could. We have a, we have a candidate for a uh, back around the horn visit here soon. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back, Arch. And I just want to leave with the, you know, you know, my story of you um, and why, you know, one thing I was so grateful for is when I was, in, I was going through school and, and I had the opportunity to play for a, a certain program. I'm not going to name names. I came back for a second year there and, and and they said, you're not going to be on the senior team because you come from a B school. Well, I wasn't mad because they said I couldn't be on the senior team. It's because they said, because you come from a B school. And then we give you a call and you say, come on down. I'm not going to promise you anything. You work hard and we'll give you a shot. And you know what? I did that. I worked hard. I, I bought my, I earned my time and, and you always treated people fair that work hard in your program and, and do things the right way. And that's something I've always respected about how you do things. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. We appreciate how much from your mom and dad spent at the concession stand too. So, uh, <laughs> you were you were a big you were a big dude to feed, man. We made some money off you. That thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Keep me happy. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. No, you 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 were the uh, an epitome of what a pack guy and and playing the game the right way and and uh, playing seven innings and then you know hanging it up after seven, not five and a half and. We certainly appreciate that, and we we hope that uh, you know all our guys learn a little something about you know best effort and playing hard and being committed some to something bigger than themselves. So, absolutely, keep that Legion deal rolling, Coach. Keep it keep it alive and strong for us. Hey, man, thanks for good talking to you guys. Appreciate it. This is yeah. fun, man. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go towel down now. Hell, hey. I'm sweating and walking around. And, <laughs> God. God, Coach, I'm fired up, ready to go play some baseball. Let's let's go. <laughs> Hey, well, you know what? That's a nice thing. Our our field being a city field, they didn't close that down. All the school fields are 
closed down. But uh, God, we've gone down there and had some good projects, put some artificial turf wow. around the mound, and wow. uh, redid some coaching boxes and doing all that. So you know, at least it gets all the coaches down there to field and kind of mow it and do whatever we need to do, but you're around each other in the environment, but, uh, uh, you know, get, get you out of the house for a little bit. Absolutely. Well, listeners, we'll be back with, uh, Kelly, Jason, and I wrapping things up in just one second. Well, we're back fans heading to the bullpen. I'm going to close it out. Jason, how about you lead us off? Well, first of all, that was, a. uh, outstanding podcasts uh with uh interview with coach arch there hearing the stories of 37 years of coaching there at Sela, um it's it's fun we're gonna have to definitely have him back on at some point but guys i i think a kind of take away from today is is, is tradition um you know under you know knowing um kind of like how we were talking on off air guys is that you know you think of Sela high school you know what to expect you know it's it's fundamentals uh they're going to be sound in everything they do uh, they, they fight to the end. Uh, they're the blue collar, they're, they're the guys that, you know, don't matter if you got nine or you got 30 guys out there, they're all going to be in the same format, all in that same wavelength. And it's a reflection of their coach, you know, and I, I really believe that coach has got a, a really good thing going and he's dialed in. Um, you know, he, he's respected and he respects and loves his guys, you know? And so, and I think that's huge on, on when you're trying to build a program guys is that, if you, if you have a tradition, um, you know, I think about in the nineties when Michael Jordan was playing for the Chicago Bulls, you knew they were coming in that arena that night, they were going to win just because of the leadership of Phil Jackson and the players that he had. So I, I think that, you know, uh, we could take away from this today, guys, is that it, it just the, building that tradition, you know, and I know Kelly, you're doing the same thing at, at St. Martin's, you know, but I mean, what would, would you take from today in, in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of piggyback off of off of what you said and and talked about, but that definitely rang rang true. Just uh, just the system and the process that are put in place, and um, that the reason why the success is there is because everything has a purpose. Everything we do in mm-hmm. practice has a purpose. Um, it may seem off the wall to be taking a ball off the chest or turning off a bucket of balls left and right, and and. I think a lot of times one of the greatest breakthrough moments are, are when kids within our program do something that they didn't think they were capable of doing. They get a task, a, a task or a challenge or something put in front of them, and, and it, it may seem insurmountable, but they, they complete it. They go through that process, and they feel so much more empowered about them, themselves that they're going to be that much better of a player. You know, and, mm-hmm. and if there's things of practice that I do, Again, going back to a lot of the, the similar things that I've talked, we've talked about, um, if, if things that you do in practice are, are tougher than what happens in the game, everything just slows down. It, it really is slow motion when, when I have a coach that is, is really pushing me on a stopwatch or, or rolling balls left and right, um, mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm just absolutely dog tired and, and all I can do is perform, you know, mm-hmm. and I think but one of the examples I like to use with our team and, and I try to do it each day is just think about it with, with playing fetch with a dog. You got a dog and, and he likes to play fetch with a tennis ball. And you're going to throw the ball, he's going to go get it, and he's going to bring it back, drop it, you're going to throw it. And, and you're going to be tired before that dog is tired, right? He's going to mm-hmm. keep going and going and going until you're tired of throwing the ball before you have something else better to do. 
right? If we can get out of that of our players of just continuing to push forward and push forward, even when things are hard, whether you're tired, um, whether you had a rough day at school, uh, whether you're dealing with other stuff outside the field, if I can just keep pushing and pushing forward through great challenges, um, guys will really run through a brick wall for you. Um, so I, I really like him and how he really builds that mental toughness by making things really tough on his players. Absolutely. I know to wrap this thing up and I already spoke kind of my piece on what, uh, you know, you know, the, one of the reasons I really enjoyed playing for coach Archer and he, he gave a guy a chance that was willing to, you know, just wanted to play ball and willing to work and, and learn their ways. And I was very fortunate to play for Merle Watkins, another hall of famer in high school and, and getting to play for coach Archer. And that definitely taught me the toughness of, you know, we're going to play a lot of games and you might have feeling 50%. Well, if you give me a hundred percent of that 50%, I'll take that over, you know, someone that's going to loaf it and, and sandbag it there. Um, and like you said, you know, tradition, and, and it's one of those things that I thoroughly enjoy going back and watching the pack play or going to watch Sela play just because you know, the brand of baseball you're going to get and, and that he expects something. And it's a, it's in a way that, you know, he pushes you. And that was some of the hardest workouts and some of the hardest practices I've ever gone through in my life. But you know what? It made me a better person. It made me a better baseball player, but it, it also prepared me for the daily challenges of, of how are you going to mentally tough out things in life and how are you going to tough out mm-hmm. these situations? And, and, and I'm, I'm very grateful for my time of playing for Archer and, and his assistant coaches, Mick and, and Rob there. And, and just, it's a lot of fun and I'm excited to get back and that with him, hopefully I can have another episode with Archer and tell some more stories and just, I don't know. It just goes to show that if you work hard and you want something bad enough and you put in the time and the effort, whether it's baseball or your job or your marriage or whatnot, that it can happen. But if you got to put the nose of the grindstone to do it. Absolutely. That's true. Well, we will be back, I believe, this weekend with another episode for you guys. Until then, uh, follow us on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. We got a Facebook page now, Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter, and we're on Apple iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time, stay healthy. Let's get back to baseball, fellas.